Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And Cindy is tired because she's come back from her Secretary of State run yeah, on the campaign trail. Had a little bit of a stretch on the campaign trail the last few days, so I'm a little tired, but I'm doing all right. But just like the Tigers, you're coming back home for the main stretch. That's right. Well, I'm coming back home for a day of rest or so. That's That'll be good because we're going to hit it again hard on Monday. Just like the Tigers, they have a little stretch of uh, rest, and then they're going to hit it hard again. But uh, they didn't look too bad in uh, their first outings here. No, they haven't. And uh, obviously one of the main things that really sucks is Riley Green's going to be out six to eight weeks, which blows. Because especially if you took him, you betted him to win Rookie of the Year. Gee, did someone here bet on him to win Rookie of the Year, Joe? Cindy, listen, I, I, I can't I, – I, I can't – I don't claim for this, okay? Like this was not my fault. I didn't do nothing. But yes, I, I did. You were hot on Riley Green from last year, uh, though. That's the truth. I love Riley Green. I think he's going to be good, and for him to be hurt, it just sucks. I know there was, but there's still a lot of hope for the Tigers, and we've got some bold predictions in this segment. And um, I think they're, you know. This is what I like to make my predictions. First off, it's just like last year, right at opening day. I like to make my predictions opening day. I said a kill Badoo is the one to watch. Sure enough, he had a breakout awesome season. So when we're talking some bold predictions, who would like to go first? Would you like me to go first, Joe? Sure, I'll go, go first. You go first. Our... <laughs> there you go. First bold prediction. I predict that the Tigers are going to be over 500 this season. Most projections have them at or under 500. I think they are going to go over 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer Torkelson made the roster. I think that's good news for the Tigers in general because it shows development of their young players, which means we're going to have further development from Akil Badu uh, and a number of other um, up-and-comers. So I think that's a good sign. Uh, I think the fact that we've got Barnhart on board uh, is also going to give some confidence and boost to that roster. I think they're going to go over 500. It's funny because the Detroit Tigers are over under 78 and a half. If you bet 110 to win, if you bet 10, you can win $19 on the under. And if you bet over, you could win $19. I'd bet over for sure. Oh, yeah. I think I think they're definitely going to go over. It would not surprise me. To even, and I'm going to be a little bold. I would say if I had to call it, I'm going to give them 89 games. 89 games? 89. I'm going to go a little bit bolder. I think they win 92 games. That's an awful tight 
in 89th, 92. All right. So we're, we're both sitting somewhere about the 90 game mark. 92 games. 92 games. We're going to see what happens. So are you, are you saying Joe, that you think they'll have a shot at the wild card spot? I think there's extra wild card spot, obviously. So I think they do have a shot to make that extra wild card spot. I think, I think their pitching is going to be their mainstay. And I think Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be, I think he's going to be really, really good in this, in this whole, uh, this whole season. I think that uh, him coming over from Boston, you know, Boston's a shorter ballpark, has a little bit of a, you know, home run feel to it. You can hit more home runs in that ballpark because it's, it's short porch and everything. I think Eduardo Rodriguez coming to Detroit where it's a big, stadium big there's it's hard for hitters to hit home runs in because it's a big stadium it's i think it's it's like 420 feet out in the middle center field so it's not gonna be easy for opposing pitchers to come in at, i mean opposing pit, hitters to come into tigers to come here park and, and hit home runs well and i think adding alexander to the pitching staff also um is good yeah. i think that's gonna fill a needed hole there you know i was really worried and and oftentimes we're talking about the bullpen and what the tigers you know, my concern has always been the bullpen. It doesn't matter. You can have all the best starters in the world, and then you call in your closers, and they blow it. So, um, you know, I was worried that our, you know, our bullpen's always been weak. But last season, not only do we have weak bullpen, we had weak starters. And we were just pitching was just weak all the way around. And I see improvements this year, certainly in the starting rotations. Um, and I think we've got a couple I think of the really bull- good closers, I, I think too. The, I think the bullpen is really solid. I think – Gregory Soto is a, a top-notch closer. Michael Fulmer in the bullpen. Jose Sincero in the bullpen. They added a guy Andrew Chaffin from uh, mm-hmm. from Oakland, who's he's a he's a very good uh, good hitter. You know, I mean pitcher. Yep. Uh, it, they have Kyle Funkhauser who did pitch pretty well. Um, there's just a lot of guys that they have on that, that that bullpen that I think can make a really big difference, and it's it's how it's how the bottom of the bullpen performs that really matters. You know. It's not the guys like the Sincero or the Fulmer or the, the Soto. It's the guys who are the fifth, fourth, sixth option of the bullpen that, and how they perform because they're going to be called on and they need to deliver. And I'll tell you why I think they will and why I think that overall you're going to see an improvement in pitching. And I think that Barnhart is really going to make the difference because anyone could argue on a baseball team, the smartest guy you've got is your catcher. Mm-hmm. Your catcher has to be your smartest guy. You know who was used to be a catcher? Our friend D-Mac, Darren McCarthy. Darren was a catcher. Darren yes. was a – that just goes to show you. He's a smart guy. You know, sometimes he plays it a little silly, but that is one smart man. And, um, you know, he was a catcher. So, I think we've got a really – I got really good well, from, baseball from, mind from behind From a pitcher perspective, like, one of the things that cost the pitcher Tigers last year and why they got rid of uh, – I think it, Ramos they had early mm-hmm. in the year. He was horrible at framing pitches. And one of the biggest the biggest things you could do as a, p- a catcher is how you frame the pitch and make sure it doesn't like look like it's a ball. Like t- you take it out of the zone, it's going to be a ball. I mean, Tucker Barnhart's a really really good pitcher who can who who's good for a young uh, you know pitching staff. Oh, absolutely, very very like I said, a very very smart baseball mind behind the plate. You need that because he's got to know his pitchers. He's got to be aware of how to, how to you know call those pitches too, um, based on who he's got at the plate. And you just really have to be smart. And he is that. And he also said he's open to an extension, which also gives me a lot of hope. And I'll tell you why. 
because what it says is he's committed to this club. He said he really likes it here. Mm -hmm. That's a good sign. That's a sign of a good, healthy, um, you know, kind of chemistry going on there on this club. And I think that that's really important going forward. Well, I think, I think you got to look at the top teams that are, that are, you know, contending every year for the, 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 uh, the world series and playoffs just look no further than the guy, like a guy who is, uh, you know, he plays for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a very, very good team. Will Smith, you know, he had, he had a 365. OBP. Not the one that goes around slapping people. Not that. St- <laughs> that was a good one. I didn't expect that. Damn, that was good. That was a good one. <laughs> and then you got JT Romuto and, and, and Philadelphia. That's, he's a good catcher. There's, you know, Garver. The thing about the, the Central, they have, like, arguably, they have probably three or four of the best catchers in baseball. Because you got uh, Grandal in Chicago. You got Perez in Kansas City, um, which Kansas City is not, like, a contender, but they have a good catcher. I put Barnhart up against any one of them. You know, the the teams that people are expecting to see – are probably going to be Tampa Bay. You're expecting to see them. You're expecting to see probably Houston, probably Boston, the Yankees. You know, they're always a mainstay. Um, Chicago, uh, you're, you're expecting to see those clubs, you know. But some of the other, you know, when it comes down to the rest of them in that division, I don't think, I think it's up for grabs. I really, it is. And I think it is. And I think that the Tigers actually have capability that needs to be developed, but capability to to make it kind of into that that fifth and sixth spot. And so I think that's important to note because the playoff structure is changing this year. You're not going to have four teams in the playoffs. Now you're going to have five, right, which opens up an additional extra wild card. So well, not extra, but, you know, gives you more opportunity for that. The point is there's another slot open. And I think if the Tigers work very hard if they develop properly during the year. And if they get on a hot streak – they could very well edge their way into one of those bottom spots. Yeah, and I think I think that's what they're they're, they're known for. Like uh, I think um, I think AJ Hinch last year they started off slow. I mean, you could you could have made the case going into late last year if they would have had at least a 500 record, you know, in the first month of the season instead of a two and like I think it was 14 record. Yeah, they would have yeah. they would have been in the playoffs punt. I mean, if you win you win six or seven games, you're in a playoff punt. So I, don't, I just don't know. I just don't think that they'll repeat that because they, they they're playing well over five hundred ball the rest of the way. They just couldn't they couldn't take that one giant start to the season where they just dropped off quickly. Well, and the thing is, they still have a hole in their middle infield. That's the one concern that I do have. I mean, they've made they made strides in my mind on the pitching staff. They made a tremendous acquisition. Well, they went, they went out and got, they got Baez. At, 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 yeah, but yeah. they didn't get who they should have gotten, Joe. And you we like, talked you about get this. Correa. I wanted See, the Correa. See, problem, the problem with Baez, and a lot of people don't understand this, is is he he strikes out 30% of the time. Now, he will, he, he will the, the number of say he's going to save you 30 runs, and he's also going to give you 30 runs. So he's basically a 500 player, you know? That's, that's the problem. When you got a guy like that who strikes out a lot, but he's good defensively, but he takes chances. He's kind of a mixer, mixer, mixed guy. He's a toss up for me. He's a toss up. I mean, we could have, lo- if we could have locked down Correa, if we could have locked down 
that middle infielder, that shortstop position, I would have felt so much better about this mm -hmm. team coming into this season. That didn't happen. We kind of went with our, you know, kind of the third or fourth uh, option down the line. Hopefully Baez improves. That's the problem. That, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. There's too many areas on this roster where you say, if they develop, I hope they improve. If they do, if there's no one that you can say, okay, yeah, I feel good about that. Yeah, I feel good about that. The only one that I can say that right now I'm comfortable saying that about is Barnhart. I'm very, I'm very happy with that acquisition. I'm very comfortable with that position. And that's important because as we just talked about, it's one of the most critical positions on the team. Yeah, you know, it's, it sucks because Riley Green's hurt. I think one of the biggest question marks is, is the outfield for the Tigers because Riley Green's hurt, so he's not going to make the, the team coming out of camp. And Derek Hill, I I believe he uh, – I think he got hurt too. Yeah, I mean, Akil Badu can't field the entire outfield, right? So where is he going to get some help and support? Him, him, I and, him, him, him there. and Robbie Grossman, that's that's the that's the issue. Can, can they – is it just it, it boggles my mind how you came into the this season, you thought you were gonna have Riley Green and Kill Badu, and then you had a, a guys like in the, that were behind him like Victor Reyes, uh Derek Hill, mm -hmm. and now they're put in the starting roles and we've seen how that worked mm -hmm. so well with the Red Wings where they lost Verana right. for half the season and he comes back and the team is out of it. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's too little too late, you know. Um, and I think that's kind of what you saw with the Tigers last season. And we don't want to see a repeat of that. We don't want to see a too little too late scenario because I think they've got some real key positions locked down and I'm happy about that. But as we pointed out, there's just a lot of holes. I think right now the Tigers are on. This isn't a bold prediction, but I think they're really a 50-50 shot uh, to, to really make it somewhat of a watchable season mm -hmm. um we'll see how it starts off i mean they started off great they, last year but they, then it kind of went they, downhill very quickly no they started off bad last year and they stayed really good at the end of the year well i mean they they had a good opening day they had a good opening day and then they went and then it went then, to hell they went that. to two and 14 <laughs> right. the rest of the way right we were we were doing the, the opening day at the bigs remember right yeah, yeah. And, and that and they were like you know tigers win and we're like, okay, maybe it's started something good, and then they go two and fourteen, and then they take, the yeah, and you yeah. can't have that happen, especially that early in the season because it's a total momentum killer. So, what is your bold take, Joe? Is it the ninety-two games that's your bold take? My no, my bold take is I think Casey Mize is going to be in this contention for the Cy Young. That is very bold. What makes you say that? What have you seen in Casey Mize's development I think, so far? I think Casey Mize. With a guy like Tucker Barnhart behind the plate, like we said, he opens up the game for Casey Myers just to be Casey Myers because he actually has a catcher who will who will show him the right pitches at the right time, will frame the pitches at the right time. That's one of the things that they had problems with last year was framing pitches and pitch selection. And I think when you take a guy like a young guy like Casey Myers and you allow him to just focus on what he needs to focus on, it opens up his better part of his game. You know, it's like, it's kind of like in, in, in when you're a batter, right? And you are told, you are told you have to uh, bunt. You know, you're not hitting, so you're going to bunt the ball. Yeah. When you're a pitcher and you're told, you know, put a fastball right here, it just, you can key in in that selection of, okay, I got to throw the fastball right here and 
we're going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's about pinpoint selection. And that's what Tucker Barnhart brings. You know, he's for everyone that says that, you know, I was reading some selections where he was not a catcher that they think highly of among the sabermetrics groups or whatever. He brings much more to the plate than just the way he plays. You know, the smart veteran angle is the most important part of that, that with a young pitcher staff, like Terry Scoble, Mac Manning, and Casey Mize will reap the benefits of having a guy like Tucker Barnhart on the plate. Absolutely. I think he's a game changer. You know, we talked about who are going to be the game changers for the Red Wings, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment as well as, you know, what we expect to see with them finishing up their season. But uh, I think that you can argue Tucker Barnhart is certainly one of the game changers for the Detroit Tigers rolling into the season. And I think one of the biggest things that the Tigers have to kind of avoid a little bit is so far they have three players on injured on the injured list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Chafin's on the injured list. Derek Hill starts the year on the injured list, and Riley Green will start the year on the injured list. And if you ask me, it's three injuries. You really can't take much more because then you're bringing up people who you might not have the utmost trust in. And they might be young guys. And they might just not be that great to start off because they're young players. Well, they're saying six to eight weeks on um, Riley Green. On Green, so that puts him back right after Memorial Day. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with that too because then hopefully. I mean, of course, I'm not okay with it, but I I, I think it's it's not going to be a season killer. At least it's him. not like eight. To, at least it's not like six to eight months. You know, then you're talking the whole baseball season. So right. Uh, if the Tigers can just stay at 500 through Memorial Day, that would be a total. Win. Yep. And next, we will be talking about the Red Wings and their their little struggles and uh, another Illinois team. It's getting ugly. It's getting ugly. This is Cindy and Joe show. Welcome to Cindy and Joe show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And this is Between the Whistles, Detroit, your hometown team. We are your hometown team. He beat me to the punch because I wanted to say it this time. That's okay. It's all good. You know what I'll remind people of is the fact that we are sponsored by Wild Bill's Tobacco, who have over 100 locations throughout Michigan, and you get all of your tobacco and smoking needs there. And they are our friends. They support the hometown team. And speaking of the hometown team, Joe, we're talking the Detroit Red Wings, yep. and it's getting ugly, ugly, ugly. So I am taking you to task, sir. Let's go. All right, Mr. Defender of the Faith. I know where this is going. You have been defending Jeff Blaschel all year long, and I like Jeff too, but at some point you have to look at the performance and say, it's time to make a change. So, do you still defend Jeff Blaschel? Do you still think that Stevie Y is going to keep him part of the organization? Because I got to tell you, I don't see how it's defensible anymore. It's nice that you you uh, showed me out like that. Um, <laughs> I expect nothing more from a Secretary of State candidate than you. I think you're ready to start your debate. We're going to mix it up on Wednesday in the I, Secretary I, of State. I think race. you're ready to, for your debate Wednesday. I've, I've, yes, I've, taught, you, I've taught you well, young grasshopper. <laughs> but like, I'll let you live that fantasy land world for a little I've, while. I've taught go you ahead. well. You've learned because you've you been, have. you've you gone have. you've gone against the best, so you are going to go against you know <laughs> some people, and you're going to wreck the world. Do I think Jeff Blaschel should stay the rest yes, for next year? Yes, stalling and get to it. Yes. And no. 
there's oh way to walk the line joe yes and no i can make a case for both uh-huh would i keep jeff blashell i don't think so the reason i wouldn't keep jeff blashell is i think that there has been like a little bit of a, a, a stalling in the way that they played but yes i would keep jeff blashell in the same sediment because listen if you're gonna if you're gonna blame him for what's happening with the red wings in totality you need to look at the reality of the situation the reality is this roster isn't really well put together and i know we i know we talk about eiserman how he, he he does a good job but some of his signings have been poop lately pew suitor is literally pew pew um <laughs> You know, uh, he signed Philip Peronic to the deal. Um, they were the two guys on the ice when they gave the, the overtime goal to the Rangers. Uh, Pew Suter, again, Pew Pew, has been one of the worst defensive forwards on the Red Wings by far. I'm actually surprised that Stevie didn't do anything with them at the trade deadline. I'm surprised he didn't try to deal. I don't think there's any market for them because I think I think other general managers are looking at this and going, Oh my, like, like, you know, like it go like you look at Hugh Sitter and you go, he played pretty good in Chicago, but he's been put up to the second line and more has been expected from him. And he has not went with the opportunity. You know, one of the things that the Red Wings are missing, and I've always told people this and people always say, why, why is Verona being put on the third line? Why is Batuzzi on the second line? Why aren't they all on the first line? And the reality is, you only have one line if you put them together. And then the rest of your team is poop. So you need to – yes, Lucas Raymond has played great. Yes, Dylan Larkin has played outstanding. Yes, Bertuzzi has played outstanding. Verona came back, and he's been playing really, really well. But that defense, aside from Mo Sider, is absolutely awful. And people can blame the Dalkovich. They can blame Blaschel. They can blame the forwards. But the reality of the situation is the defensemen have been – Poop. Every one of them. You can go. I think your best defenseman, other than Cider, is Mark Stahl, and he's ancient. Okay. Like, you, you, you're talking about a guy. I mean, Gustav Lindstrom, who people like as a prospect, yeah. he's minus 10 on the year. Okay. Philip Peronic is a guy who is, he's not a defenseman. He's an offensive defenseman. So he's not going to be as polished in the defensive end. You need a guy to pair with him who will be that defensive guy, who is a guy like that. Ideally, what you would like to see, which you really couldn't put them on the same line, is a Johnny Klingberg coming to Detroit and playing with uh, uh, Philip Aronik. They're both right-handed shots. So you can look at like a guy like um, Justin Schultz, but he's a little bit older. You know, he's, 30, he's going to be 32. Yeah. Those are guys you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get someone who could be on the same line as Heronic who will make up for Heronic's deficiency on the defensive end. But Heronic needs to be better on the offensive end too because he has not been good on the offensive end. That's where he's that's his bread and butter. And if you're not good on defense, you better be damn good on offense. Yeah. You know, like Mike Green, when he played with the Capitals, he was not known as a defenseman. He was known as their offensive defenseman who would play the power play, do really good like that. Mm-hmm. When he became, he never really materialized into a good defenseman because he he had deficiencies on the defensive end. 
The same thing with Ronick. He's Mike. He's Mike Green Jr. Except he's he's a guy who can't score and can't put up offensive numbers like Mike Green did in his prime. Well, you know the thing is, it's it's sad to see when you know I just cringe every time we get down into the defensive end because there's nobody defending the paint but Ned. There's nobody. There's he's got no help. He's got no help. You know, in, in the last game against um, uh, Ottawa, um, you're looking. I'm watching this goal, that second goal that they ended up taking back. I'm looking at that going, how could they have not scored on that? They didn't even need to interfere with the goalie. They didn't need to do that in order for that goal to score. I mean, you had to Kaiser standing in front. And Danny, Danny's – Danny has – Danny, Bladshaw, and Larkin have got the most flack for everything. And it's not even their fucking fault. I swear, but who cares? It's not even, it's not even their effing fault. Because the reality of the situation is, like, these guys came into the rebuild when it was just starting with Ken Holland. And then Ken Holland never really materialized the rebuild. And these guys have been here forever dealing with this podunk bullshit. But I think Dan has passed his prime. I and think that's the it's thing. time for Dan that's, to retire. That's the thing. Danny has dealt with so many injuries. Yeah. They've taken a toll on him. He's been a warrior for the Red Wings. He's played games. He's no but, argument there. He but, has. But he's, he, been, but he's been great. Him being, put in, him being put in this situation where he's playing god-awful defenders while he's not really in his prime still is just – it's just – it's not good for him. It's yeah. not good for the fan, the, we, the team. We have no defense. We have no defense. That's the, the sad part. It's not like you can even say, oh, well, we've got, you know, a hole in the defense here or we've got – you know, a failure that the, the entire thing is not even there. I mean, it's not, there's nobody there. So I really feel bad for Ned because, you know, he doesn't, the, the goals against are not reflective of what he's really doing and contributing to the team. And it's unfortunate, but I think he's a good goalie for the future, but we've got to get some defenders in front of that net to help him out. Otherwise you can just forget it. It doesn't matter how good the offense is. And I'll tell you, you know, you got the power play unit that comes out there and you've got, you know, you can't help but get excited. You got Larkin, Bertuzzi, Cider, Verana, and, um, and, and Raymond. I mean, that's the five best you got right there. I mean, and the sad part about it is, you know, you can see their, their play development is good. You can see, they just can't seem to break through and get it in the net all the time. And so it's it's better, but it's still not what it should be. I think ultimately what has happened here, I think you got a lot of talent in those five guys right there. That's a tremendous core to build around. I love it. Okay. I like Ned for a goalie of the future. He's got some consistency problems, but that's going to come along as he develops, as he gets a little bit older. Um. You fix the defense, you're going to see a tremendous improvement in the in their play. Mm-hmm. But I believe strongly that this team has outgrown Jeff Blaschel. And, and I won't, and I will not fault you for that. I mean, I think that I, I, I truly think that if you're going to create, if you're going to fire Jeff Blaschel, you have to have a good replacement. And I know that people are hard on Blaschel, but the reality of the situation is. Like, I, well, I, I don't think Flash is a bad guy. I don't think I, it's not even about being a bad guy. It's that it's like I think Steve Eisenman has taken accountability of why this team is where they are. I mean, if you go back to his comments, um, I, I have them right here. He has he says, 
we'll we'll see how the, we finish up. But clearly, the biggest thing we need to do is improve as a team defensively, and really, that's my responsibility. So he put the responsibility on himself. We have, and he says we have rooms, we have room and roster spots to improve the team this summer, and we'll try to do that. If Eisenman came out, I've heard this rhetoric from people uh, before. If Eisenman comes out and keeps Jeff Blaschel, people are going to start to question Eisenman. And I don't think that's right. I think what you got right now is I think Stevie White, if he does make the change, it's because he has a method of his madness. If he, if he does keep Blaschel, it means that he has a plan. Like he's not going to devour from that plan. He's not, he's not, a, he's not one of those GM, general managers that's going to make a, a move just because it's popularity contest. No, I never thought that he was one of those kind of people uh, ever. Um, but I, you know, I think that the Wings are going to have to take some very significant steps to acquiring not just one, but at least two reliable defensemen to back up Mo Sider. I mean, the best defenseman you've got, the best player you have, one of them, the best ones is a rookie. Yep. I mean, now he should certainly win Rookie of the Year. And, you know, a lot of that is political. Talk about things being political. Um, you know, most cider should absolutely win rookie of the year. And oh, no doubt. But will but the, he? The, I don't the know. NHL is throwing this whole Trevor Zegers campaign because he plays in California and Anaheim Ducks need to, to get some fans back in the stands because the Red Wings do pack the stands still. And, and it just, it, you know what it comes down to? We have two rookie of the years who should be rookie of the year no matter what. Oh, for sure. No matter what. Yeah, and and they're and they're 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 constantly getting dragged down because they play on a team that's not winning at the time, but Anaheim's not winning at the time. So Cider should easily win it because I mean you can make it the case he could be in the North campaign if if if, if his plus minus was better. Yeah, I and I think the good news for the for the Wings is that they've got a still. For as good as these two rookies are that they've brought up, they've got a couple more coming up yet still. Mm-hmm. They've got Edmondson coming. They've got Bergeron, who's going to be ready to go when they call him. Um, those, those are another two guys right there. You've got Salterboom. You've got, you've got, you know, some guys that are really ready to go to help start filling this in. I'm not so sure it's going to happen and all come together next year. I think they need to replace the head coach. needs to pick up two uh, solid defensemen. And then he needs to see if these rookies develop the way they think they're going to, and if they can bring them up into the roster. Now I think you're getting somewhere, but they need to be able to play together for a, you know a decent period of time to in order to gel and to get that chemistry right. Stevie will make the tweaks. I think they're probably and I you know I had hopes. I really did. I had hopes. I thought it was going to go a different way, but I can see after this season what I'm seeing is I think it's going to take two seasons before they hit the playoffs. If, if I were to do a bold take on the Red Wings. Um, and I love my wings, you know that. And um, I'm close to some of those guys. And um, as much as I wish that they would make the playoffs next year, and I would hope so, I really am going to say right now, it's don't look for it next season. Uh, look for it the season after that, especially if they bring on Igor Larianov, who they're talking about. Started to have just conversations. You know, Darren would say they're bringing the band back together. They're bringing back a lot of the guys that he played with that were part of the, you know, tremendous legacy of the Wings in the 1990s. See, I think differently. If they bring the Igor Lariana back or Sergei Fedorov back in coaching capacities or any of those other guys that had it together then, 
I still don't think they're going to pull it together for a playoff spot next season because they're going to be making their own tweaks and changes. And I think there's going to be too much, um, uh, not necessarily uncertainty, but I think you're going to have a lot of uh, fluctuations going on throughout the season next season, but then they'll be ready for the season following that. I think, I think honestly, they'll be in the playoffs next year. I wish, I hope. And if they, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm completely wrong because I would love nothing better than to see the wings in the playoffs next year, because there's so much exciting talent there that, and there's so much more coming up, so much more coming up. I think if they, they get that physical game um, elevated, if they elevate the physical game, they get two reliable defensemen to back up Mo Sider and you get a solid coaching staff in, in replacement of your head coach. I think it changes everything and it has the potential for it, but I think there'll be too much change in flux. And I think they're going to need a season to work through that in order to, to really make it um, a significant playoff push the following season. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, the thing about it is, uh, I don't know. I just think that they need to add talent to the roster. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, them being, I mentioned in the same, uh, same capacity as like a, a Ben Myers, the, the center from uh, Minnesota, you know, that they're talking that the Red Wings are severe, you know, interested in him as the centerman for the Red Wings. Um, if they can sign him, that'd be huge because he's a Hobie Baker award finalist. Um, mm-hmm. And he brings a, he brings something that the Red Wings vastly need. They need a defensive guy on the forward group on the second line. And you could see if Ben Myers, if Ben Myers, look. He's got the same prognosis. Uh, people say, like, Eric, I talked to one guy who said Eric Halla, who plays for Boston, is pretty good. Um, I've seen people say that he could be kind of like a Luke Glenn Denning. And that if you get a Luke Glenn Denning in this roster, that could help out majorly because you need a guy like Luke like Glenn Denning. And I don't think people really realize how big of a, of a, uh, of a defensive forward loss they had. I did. I did. No, you did. You got to get you. Thank you for recognizing that because you, that was you did because I said it was a big mistake when they got rid of Glenn Denning. Glenn Denning losing Glenn Denning was yep. huge. Losing Helmer was huge. Huge holder. Even though they're even though they were older guys, they still protected their their good defensive forwards. We have not seen that with Hugh Suter. We have not seen that with Michael Rask. Well, Michael Rasmussen has played actually pretty well in his own end, but like you haven't seen that. Like you you losing two guys like that on the forward group. It really makes your defenders look bad, especially if they haven't. And I think what Stevie expected, he's not getting. He expected this team to be better defensively on the defensive group with Taronic, Lindstrom, uh, Stahl, and Letty. And he didn't. Yeah. I, I don't think he expected all this from Cider. But if Cider wasn't like this, God only knows where this team would be. Well, and I think that, you know, we were talking, you talked earlier about how Stevie took responsibility for that and he acknowledged that. And, you know, we talk about kind of Steve being, you know, so smart and making all the right moves and all this kind of thing. But I think right now what we're seeing is we're seeing the evidence that Steve Eiserman is not perfect. Okay. Um, I, I never expected him to be. He's a tremendous leader and he's got a tremendous hockey mind. Um, there's no doubt about that. But this is where Steve. You know, you're, even the best laid plans don't always work out. And I think Steve had had plans for this team and for the defense that did not work out the way he had expected and hoped them to. So he's going to retool. I mean, that's what a good 
leader does is that, you know, you don't expect it to be perfect every time. You don't expect it to be, you don't expect it to be right every time. And when you're not, you're going to address it and you're going to fix it. And that's exactly what he's going to do. And he's going to, that's, and his taking responsibility for it is the beginning of that. So I think that this is a perfect uh, thing to look at when we're saying, okay, Steve's not perfect. Things didn't work out the way he hoped, but he's going to make changes. And I hope that he will um, really take the, these things to heart. I think you, I think you certainly will. I think the one, there's another wild card coming up that could help the Red Wings tremendously next season and be a big part of this revitalization and rebuild and the retooling that Steve's going to need to do. And that is the development of Sebastian Cosa. And if he can come up, because the reality is we need another backup goalie because Grice is going to be gone. So forget about that. So all you've got now is you got Ned, who is great. And I love that guy. I think he could be a tremendous foundational piece. But it's, it's just like when we had Osgood and Vernon. Or, you know, you need two solid goalies. Uh, you need a backup. Can Sebastian Cosa be that guy? Or think is or is Stevie going to have to go shopping for one? He's going to have to go shopping for one. So in addition to picking up a couple defensemen, he's going to have to look for a backup goalie or perhaps even a starting goalie to give Ned a little bit of a, you know, relief on the pressure there and relieve the pressure on Ned a little bit. But he's also got a goalie problem that he has to deal with, and I don't think that's lost on Steve. I, I think there's a lot of holes in this team. I think I, don't, I really don't think that um, – I think when Eisenman came in, I really don't think he thought there would be this many holes. Like, I really don't think he thought that it would be this this tentative. And he knew it would be a process, but so far it's just been a really deep process. But if, I, if there's a goalie that I would I would, uh, I would look at getting is a guy like uh, – you can go and get David Riddick, who has been really, really well for Nashville – He's a backup type of guy. Um, you can go get a, a, a Martin Jones. He used to be a starting goaltender, but he's now backup to Carter Hart. You can even go. You can even try to go bolster your whole your whole. Uh, go get a Miko Koskinen, who's a, who's a, for Edmonton. He got overpaid when he by Chirelli in Edmonton, but uh, he's, he's he's a solid goaltender. It's, it's it's just you just need the guy in the second that second slot that can come in and, and take over. And obviously Nadalkovich has had a consistency issue, so you're not going to have a consistent goaltender like, you you know, some people would like. Stevie needs to bring a package, two defensemen and a goalie. Let's see what he does. And a forward, a centerman. Yeah. <laughs> and of this, and of that. We need a little bit of everything, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and that's how it goes. This is the rubbing segment of Between the Whistles. And uh, we, next we'll talk about Rookie of the Year for both Cider and and uh, and uh, Cade Cunningham. Oh, Cade's got to get it. That's next on Between the Whistles. See you then. Welcome to Cindy and Joe Show. I'm Joe. Uh-oh, I'm Cindy, and Joe caught me crunching chips. Hey, she's eating a bag of chips. It'll be all right, though. Uh-oh. Sorry about that. But no, we're talking about Cade Cunningham and Mort Sider, how they should be rookie of the year. Uh, the thing about Mort Sider is he's been a premium defensive staple for the Red Wings. And Cade Cunningham in March, he has a stat that no one has had since number 23 with the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. The magic man, MJ. I loved him, by the way. And I like, I love Michael Jordan. I know people sometimes love to hate him. 
I had liked Michael Jordan before I even was interested in sports at all because um, I love the story about how he got cut, uh, didn't make his first team, and went on to become one of the greatest sports ever seen. And the fact that he just by sheer will and taking that talent, man, that, that guy has got just earned my respect. So I've always loved Michael Jordan, and I love Cade Cunningham. I've loved that kid since the draft. Um, and his performance has just been outstanding. It's I, 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 It makes me cry for him, though. I mean, I get so sad when I think about the fact he's stuck on the Pistons, or at least he was. Now, I'll tell you, I think that he is making the Pistons into his own team. And he's making them relevant. No doubt. And I'll tell you, not only is his individual performance worthy of being Rookie of the Year, but I believe that Cade Cunningham is a huge, huge reason why you have other Pistons developing as well as they are. Killian Hayes finally coming along. I think that Cade Cunningham has a huge amount to do with that. Sadiq Bey also had some outstanding moments. He's basically one of the most impressive forwards down in the NBA. Why is that? I think Cade Cunningham has inspired a lot of people and a lot of players on the Detroit Pistons team on their roster. And I think that he has had a tremendous impact on this team in so many ways, tangible and intangible. And that is worthy of uh, being considered for the rookie of the year as well. I don't see how you do better than Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Cade Cunningham in March, he's averaged 22.9 points, 5.9 rebounds, seven assists. Only other rookies in NBA history to average at least 22 points per game, five rebounds and seven, yeah, seven assists in a minimum of 10 games are, Michael Jordan in March of 1985, and Oscar Robinson did it four times through in 1960 and 1961. Yeah, that's my point. I mean, what more can this kid possibly do to earn his spot as Rookie of the Year? I don't know what more he could do. And guess what? He's even going to have – he's got even more time this season to do even better. And it's just a damn shame that the Pistons aren't going to be looking into the postseason because can you imagine – what kind of numbers Kate Cunningham would put up then? Yeah, and it, and it, imagine if he didn't miss the first month of the year. That you know, Kate Cunningham is rookie leaders. He's a rookie leader in clutch points, which is in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And he, through fifty nine games, he has a thousand twelve points, three hundred thirty eight rebounds, three hundred twenty eight assists. The only other rookies to record at least a thousand points, three hundred twenty rebounds, and three hundred twenty eight assists through fifty nine games. Look at this list. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Luka Doncic, Elvin Adams, Oscar Robinson. Uh, you could say four of those guys are the best to ever play the game. Yeah, no, I, I never heard of them, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of any of those guys, I don't know. But exactly, exactly. That's the kind of elite company that Cade Cunningham is in. And so I think it's a no-brainer. I think if he's not Rookie of the Year, anybody else that they choose, they're going to have to come up with something better than a lame excuse or a lame reason why because it doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't see any reason why the, the city of Detroit should not be looking at two Rookies of the Year, one with the Pistons and one with the Red Wings. They play in the same building. Maybe they got something in the water over there. I don't know what it is. But Moritz Sider, you know, 
as 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 great as I and, and by the way, just I love Cade Cunningham. That guy's got just such character in addition to everything else. I mean, he's the total package. You know, I mean, I used to have people kind of make statements and they all you know, total package, total package, and, and that's a really nice compliment to get, and I really appreciate it. But I'll tell you what, Cade Cunningham is really the total package. I believe that. And most cider love that guy as another one, uh, right from Jump Street. I mean. He was great. We saw him great coming up out of out of the Swedish Hockey League. You saw he was definitely, uh, you know, he was not a, a boy playing among men. There, he was right. He rose to the occasion, and um, you know, there was some concern. You know, how was he going to adapt to North American ice? I think he did great. I think when you come from the Swedish League Hockey League, you come from the college basketball like Oklahoma State, you job better. But the real re, the real reason why both these guys are where they're at. And the way that they play is because they are mature beyond their years. They're not they're not just a 21-year-old or a 20-year-old playing the game. They're mature in the way that they approach the game. They approach the game differently. They don't look at – they don't get rattled. They don't get – like like some rookies will get rattled. You know, they don't get they don't get shocked when some th- things don't go their way. They just kind of roll it off. And I think that's what makes you a rookie of the year more than anything. Well, I think you're on to something with that. And I think the point is – you know, when you when you first come in and you've got all that rookie energy, you got that young energy, you've got that young talent, you've got those young, capable, um, physical attributes, right? But, you know, you sometimes lag behind in the mental aspect, right? In the psychological aspect. Um, these guys don't. These guys don't lag behind there. They have the mental acuity. They have the smartness in, in their games. Right. They've got the, the, the hockey and the basketball IQ. They've got the temperament. They've got the patience of an older player. Um, and I'm willing to bet you that both of these guys, you know, they do approach the game much more seriously with a more mature attitude. Couple that with they are their young skill, ability, talent, and energy. And there you go. That's why you have the performance that you've got. And um most cider is far and away one of the most impressive go-to defensemen in the entire league. And he's playing for us. He's the only one playing defense for the Red Wings, for gosh sakes, really. Um, and he's really one of the best in the league. And he's, you know, and he's a rookie. Uh, that, that says something, especially defensemen like goalies develop a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Your forwards are kind of, I don't want to say a dime a dozen, but you've got a lot of guys who can, you know, show some speed and you can be competitive as a forward. As a defenseman, you have to bring so much more to the game of hockey than just speed. You have to bring, you know, really a definite mental acuity. You have to bring, um, you know, the ability to think four, five, six steps ahead in the play. You have to have the ability to play physical. You have to have the ability to be a two-way player. You have to – there's so much that you have to bring that comes with normally that kind of development and maturity as a player, and Cider brings that, and that is why he's recognized uh, where he's at. In a way, I feel similarly bad for him as I do for Cade Cunningham because he's the only one playing defense on the Red Wings. Just like, you know, I mean, he's kind of out there on his own, but you know what? It makes him even more of a standout player. And again, I don't know how 
you legitimately give the rookie of the year to somebody else. If we get snubbed on both of these, Joe, you're going to see me go out our limits because there's every reason in the world why we should nail them. You talked about a rigged system. (laughs) Ms. Secretary of State, you talk about a rigged system. You talk about, you talk about integrity in the voting circles. You need to talk to these sports people because they, they they, see it firsthand every year. Don't they? These sports people who vote on the hall of fame in baseball, the, the hockey hall of fame, the, Rookie of the years, you need to have a talk with them, Ms. Secretary of State, <laughs> and you need to tell them they are wrong. They need to. They need to. They need to clean up their system, Joe. Yep. They need to call me in so I can oversee the voting on rookies of the year and Hall of Fame. Because the baseball writers definitely need it because they're they have such an agenda with their whole voting system that they keep guys out like Lou Whitaker. And Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Roger Clemens, and then you in the and then in, you know in hockey like there's been some snubs, but like just so much. Well, why dumb... isn't Chris Osgood should be in the Why is it? Yeah, Chris. Why isn't Chris Osgood yeah. in the Hall of Fame? Right. It's like it's these, call me Ozzy. I'll these, run your campaign for Hall of Fame because you belong there. These people are, are just insane. So they need someone like you to come and clean them up, and you could become the Secretary of State for Michigan and Secretary of State for sports voting maybe i'll be the uh, perhaps i'll be a special consultant or a special assistant <laughs> to uh the sports the sports betting because it's or the sports voting because it's got to be done right because if it's done right if it's done legit and it's done straight up there's no way kate cunningham and Mort Sider don't take home those trophies there you go the secretary of state has spoken <laughs> <laughs> take it to the bank we've enjoyed this this uh uh, show of between the whistles. I just I messed up my freaking words. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have the composure of uh, Kate Cunningham, Moritz Sider right now. But or Cindy Barry, but that's okay. Um, we'll we'll bring you along, Joe. You you have a debate, so we are gonna you know you're gonna get ready for that. Yeah, I got a debate on Wednesday. I can't wait. You know, it's been a fun time. I had a great weekend, by the way. I mean, I was I was with some great people. I was down there in Berrien County. Shout out to my Berrien County folks. I was with some great young college students today doing a little bit of mentoring and and some uh, speaking at their event i loved you guys you guys were terrific and by the way they asked me you know i mentioned i had the podcast and they said what's the name you know you take questions right and i thought okay they're going to ask me about some of the content they said i took one last question and and, and she said what's the name of your podcast and uh i said uh you know Made sure to tell her it was Between the Whistles Detroit, the Cindy and Joe show. And uh, you could see them all pulling out their phones and Googling it and uh, pulling it up. And that was really exciting. So, you know, spent some time over also in Kent County. Shout out to my folks out over there in Kent County. Uh, So west side of the state quite a bit the last couple of days, but it's just been great. Really, really great people. Tremendous response and uh, appreciate them all so much, but it's good to be home. And it'll be good to advocate as Secretary of State for our teams at, in at the rookie voting and you you bet them their biggest fan of yep. course absolutely You're an advocate for sports take that all michigan sports there are people we will see you next week on the cindy and joe show obviously you'll get little snippets of whatever how i'm feeling every day god on, help you on the all. podcast because you know cindy's not available every day so someone's got to do it 
So because you want they want more of the Cindy and Joe show. Maybe they just want more Joe. Maybe Cindy will even pop in with a little. No, I had, I had some. I had that. some you you talk about where's the woman at, and I was like, <laughs> you mean Cindy, and she's like, he, and he's like, yeah, whatever her name is. <laughs> oh well, let's, let's make sure he gets the name wrong. Right. <laughs> he doesn't even know who it is. All right, this is Cindy and Joe show. We'll see you next week. See you then.